What will the last days truly look like? What will happen in those days? And what will people be like all over the world? We're about to find out. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 2, and I want to read this to you in the NLT. This is a vision that Isaiah, the son of Amos, or Amos, Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house, that is, the government of the Lord's house, will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. I think that's significant. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, and the word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. This doesn't sound like uh, he's going to waft off the Christians and take them to heaven while the rest of the world fries. No, not at all. The Lord will mediate between nations and settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. But do we know the way to peace today at all? Have we forgotten the rules that have to apply in order to get peace? And what are those rules? In a sentence, this is the way to peace. Both parties must want what's best for the other. In other words, do unto others as you'd have them do to you. That's the way to peace. But we seldom hear that from anybody, even from the pulpit these days. Nation will no longer fight against nation, and they won't train for war anymore. A warning of judgment, starting at verse 5. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. For the Lord has rejected his people, the, des uh, the descendants of Jacob. Why? Because they have filled their land with practices from the east, idol worship, and with sorcerers, as the Philistines do. That's witchcraft. They have made alliances with pagans. Israel is full of silver and gold. There's no end to their treasures.
Their land is full of war horses. There is no end to its chariots. And in today's language, fighter jets or missiles. Their land is full of idols. The people worship things they have made with their own hands. So now they will be humbled and all will be brought low. Do not forgive them. Crawl into caves in the rocks. Hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. Human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. For the Lord of heaven's armies has a day of reckoning. He will punish the proud and the mighty and bring down everything that is exalted. He will cut down the tall cedars of Lebanon and all the mighty oaks of Bashan. He will level all the high mountains and all the lofty hills. He will break down every high tower and fortified wall. He will destroy all the great trading ships and every magnificent vessel. Human pride will be humbled and the human arrogance will be brought down. Only the Lord will be exalted in that day, on that day of judgment. Idols will, be com or will completely disappear. When the Lord rises to shake the earth, his enemies will crawl into holes in the ground. They will hide in caves in the rocks from the terror of the Lord and the, the glory of his majesty. On that day of judgment, they will abandon the gold and silver idols they made for themselves to worship. They will leave their gods, little g gods, to the rodents and bats, while they crawl away into caverns and hide among the jagged rocks in the cliffs. They will try to escape the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty as he rises to shake the earth. Don't put your trust in mere humans. They are as frail as breath. What good are they? And that's the whole chapter. Chapter 3 begins like this. The Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, will take away from Jerusalem and Judah everything they depend on, every bit of bread and every drop of water, all their heroes and soldiers, judges and prophets, fortune tellers and elders, army officers and high officials, advisors and skilled craftsmen and astrologers. I will make boys their leaders and toddlers their rulers. People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. Young people will insult their elders. That sounds very familiar like today. And vulgar people will sneer at the honorable. That's exactly what's happening today. In those days, a man will say to his brother, 
Hey, since you have a coat, you be our leader. Take charge of this heap of ruins. But he will reply, No, I can't help. I don't have any extra food or clothes. Don't put me in charge. For Jerusalem will stumble and Judah will fall because they speak out against the Lord and refuse to obey him. That's a big mistake for us too. They provoke him to his face. And we're doing that in America. Don't kid yourself. The very look on their faces gives them away. They display their sin like the people of Sodom and don't even try to hide it. I could tell you a story about what a friend of mine saw when he went to San Francisco, but I won't do it. It's too vulgar. They are doomed. They have brought destruction on themselves. How sad. Tell the godly that all will be well for them. They will enjoy the rich reward they have earned. But the wicked are doomed, for they will get exactly what they deserve. Childish leaders oppress my people. And women rule over them. My people, oh my people, your leaders mislead you. Is that going on today? <laughs> oh yeah. And they send you down the wrong road. Well, there we go. The Lord, verse 13, chapter 3 of Isaiah. The Lord takes his place in court and presents his case against his people. The Lord comes forward to pronounce judgment on the elders and rulers of his people. You have ruined Israel, my vineyard. Your houses are filled with things stolen from the poor. Do you help feed the poor? I try to do that whenever possible. Not that I'm better than anybody else. I just believe in it and think it's something I need to do. How dare you crush my people, grinding the faces of the poor into the dust, demands the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 16, the Lord says, Beautiful Zion is haughty, craning her elegant neck, flirting with her eyes, walking with dainty little steps, tinkling with her ankle bracelets. So the Lord will send scabs on her head. The Lord will make beautiful Zion bald. Do you know that the pagans used to have shrine prostitutes who would shave their heads and that's how you'd recognize them? And there were thousands of them in the city of Corinth when Paul came there on his evangelistic tours. Uh, so it can get worse than it is in America, let me tell you, it really can on that day of judgment, the Lord will strip away everything that makes her beautiful. Her ornaments and headbands, crescent necklaces, her earrings and bracelets and veils, 
scarves and ankle bracelets, sashes, perfumes and charms, rings and jewelry, party clothes, gowns, capes and purses, mirrors, fine linen garments, head ornaments and shawls. Instead of smelling sweet perfume, she will stink. She will wear a rope for a sash, and her elegant hair will fall out. She will wear burlap, rough burlap, instead of rich robes. Shame will replace her beauty. The men of the city will be killed with the sword, and her warriors will die in battle. The gates of Zion will weep and mourn. The city will be like a ravaged woman huddled huddled on the ground. Chapter 4. In that day, so few men will be left that seven women will fight for each man, saying, Let us all marry you. We will provide our own food and clothing, only let us take your name so we won't be mocked as old maids. That doesn't sound very good for men. Wow. But in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. Now we're getting to the good stuff. The fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of all who survive in Israel. All who remain in Zion will be holy people. Those who survived the destruction of Jerusalem and are recorded among the living. The Lord will wash the filth from beautiful Zion and cleanse Jerusalem of all of its bloodstains with the hot breath of fiery judgment. Then the Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. He will provide a canopy cloud for or during the day and smoke and flaming fire at night, just like he did for ancient Israel, covering the glorious land. It will be a shelter from daytime heat and a hiding place from storms and rain. I advocate reading the book of Isaiah, because it's so very full and rich. But now I want to take us to Matthew chapter 2 and see what we can figure out there about our own future. If you recall, Matthew 2 is about what happened when Jesus was a little itty-bitty baby and a boy growing up. But we're going to find out some very significant things before we get done with this one chapter. Verse 1, Matthew 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. There's another Bethlehem, by the way. During the reign of King Herod. And I believe that's Herod Antipas. I'm not sure. Perhaps that's his dad. About that time... There were wise men from the eastern lands who arrived at Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed 
when he heard this, as was everyone else in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they replied, In Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Yeah, right. After this interview, the wise men went their way. The star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star... They were filled with joy. Then they entered the house, not in the um, traditional sense where he's out in a, a manger someplace, out in the cold. No, he's in the house. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, verse 13, chapter 2, Matthew, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. In other words, do it now, tonight. The angel said, stay there until I return to tell you, or tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So that night, Joseph left for Egypt with his child and his his mother Mary, And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I have called my son. Now that's Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. So he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's um, report of the star's first appearance. Herod, uh, Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. Quote, A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping a great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, 
take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are now dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. Now let's go to Micah. Micah, where in the world is Micah? Well, it's in the second half of the middle books. It goes like this, Daniel, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, and then Micah. I may have skipped Hosea here. Let's see. Now we're going to see what the Lord, all grown up and gone through the cross and returned, is all about. Chapter 4 of Micah, starting at verse 1. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house, which we already heard about, will be the highest of all and the most important place on earth. That's exactly the wording we saw in the book of Isaiah. It will be raised above the other hills. In other words, all other governments on earth will be subject to Jesus Christ. He's alive. And he's doing fine. He is on his time schedule, and he will come back. He promised that, and he is no liar. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. Sounds just like Isaiah that we read earlier. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, his word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between peoples and settle disputes between strong nations far away. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, Nation will no longer fight against nation or train for war anymore. Everyone will live in peace and prosperity. This is where it starts deviating from an exact quote, word for word, from Isaiah. Everyone will live in peace and prosperity enjoying their own grapevines and fig trees, for there will be nothing to fear. The Lord of heaven's armies has made this promise, and see, he keeps his promises. He's going to make this come to truth and to reality. Though the nations around us followed their idols, we will follow the Lord our God forever and ever In that coming day, verse 6, 
says the Lord, I will gather those who are lame, those who have been exiles, and those whom I have filled with grief. Those who are weak will survive as a remnant. Those who were exiles will become a strong nation. Then I, the Lord, will rule from Jerusalem as their king forever. This kingdom is not going to be replaceable, or Jesus will not be ousted under any circumstances. He will rule with a rod of iron, and he will live forever because he is alive forever. He is God. Verse 8, chapter 4, Micah. As for you, Jerusalem, the citadel of God's people, your royal might and power will come back to you again. The kingship will be restored to my precious Jerusalem. But why are you now screaming in terror? Have you no king to lead you? Have your wise people all died? Pain has gripped you like a woman in childbirth. Writhe and groan like a woman in labor, you people of Jerusalem, for now you must leave this city to live in the open country. You will, isn't that what Jesus said? Flee to the hills? You will soon be sent in exile to distant Babylon, but the Lord will rescue you there. He will redeem you from the grip of your enemies. How many nations have gathered against you? And they say, Let her be desecrated. Let us see the destruction of Jerusalem. But they do not know the Lord's thoughts. They do not understand his plan. These nations don't know that he is gathering them together to be beaten and trampled like sheaves of grain on the threshing floor. Rise up and crush the nations, O Jerusalem, says the Lord. You want to look at the future? Watch the Middle East. Watch the Middle East. Watch what happens to Jerusalem, Israel. For I will give you iron horns and bronze hooves, so that you can trample many nations to pieces. You will present their stolen riches to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of all the earth. Chapter 5. Mobilize, marshal your troops. The enemy is laying siege to Jerusalem. Isn't that what's happening virtually today? Well... It will uh, accelerate, I would say. They will strike Israel's leader in the face with a rod. That's exactly what they did to Jesus, by the way. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until a, the woman in labor gives birth. That would be Mary giving birth to Jesus, seems to me. 
Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile back to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world. He will be the source of peace when the Assyrians invade our land and break through our defenses, we will appoint seven rulers to watch over us, eight princes to lead us. They will rule Assyria with drawn swords and enter the gates of the land of Nimrod. He will rescue us from the Assyrians and they are when they pour over the borders to invade our land. Then the remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. In other words, they will be respected this time as one of the nations. They will be like dew sent by the Lord or rain falling on the grass, which no one can hold back and no one can restrain. The remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations and they will be like a lion among the forest animals, like a strong lion among the flocks of sheep and goats pouncing and tearing as they go with no rescuer in sight. The people of Israel will stand up to their foes and all their enemies will be wiped out. In that day, that's future, says the Lord, I will slaughter your horses and destroy your chariots. That's the end of war, in other words. I will tear down your walls and demolish your defenses. I will put an end to all witchcraft, and there will be no more fortune tellers. Yay! I will destroy all your idols and sacred pillars, so you will never again worship the work of your own hands. I will abolish your idol shrines with the Asherah poles and destroy your pagan cities. In the last verse in Micah 5, I will pour out my vengeance on all the nations that refuse to obey me. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. There is a lot coming, and God has a lot of power. After all, he created the universe and every living thing. You want proof that uh, evolution isn't true? It's real simple. Every living creature had to come online instantly in a poof, or they would have died before they could have possibly assembled themselves into a, a complete being that was alive. So it's real simple to refute evolution. But anyway, God has a lot of power, and he knows what to do with it. Thank God we're alive, and we have a future thanks to him. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com. And you can read my books there and listen to the videos and audios that build faith. There's no thing for sale there. Nothing for sale whatsoever. 
so you can go there and grow, hopefully, in faith. Until next time, I'm Albert Hardy. Have a great week.